All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Great Lakes Rather podcast. I am Ben Richmond. This is the third episode of our podcast, and I am responsible for giving the update in regards to the weather that is going to be happening over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be comparing two models today. We'll be comparing the GFS model and the ECMWF high-res model, and we'll just be coming up with a general forecast in regards to what will be occurring today. So I am putting my stuff together, but just as a reminder, um, the link to getting connected with us is on the podcast website, so you can check out everything in in that particular section, the description of the podcast, and we will get you the info that you need. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel. It is student ran, student, well, student, assisted in development of this podcast and we would appreciate your support and feedback as we continue this going forward. All right, we're going to start by taking a look at pretty much just what could potentially be happening with the um, precipitation and also as well as temperature. We will be looking at the temperature changes that could occur as well. Really in regards to what we see, there's not going to be too much going on with regards to the weather. There will be some rainfall this weekend, and I am monitoring in the long-range model a potential for maybe a stronger storm event in the plains that could be lifting east-northeastward that could cause some issues with regards to um, the weather for the Great Lakes region. Again, we don't really know that for certain just yet because we're looking a little bit far out, okay? So we're gonna start off by looking at the GFS model, okay? So the GFS model shows at around 7 a.m. Friday, nothing going on, that is right now, actually this morning, the time that I'm recording this is at about 9.37 a.m. on Friday. So we're gonna progress to Saturday as it is likely going to be published by that time. So let's start off with Saturday at about 3 a.m. Okay, we're looking at 3 a.m. right now. Still nothing going on, we've got high pressure building in, and it's gonna kinda just settle over the area. And we're kind of going to be near the center of high pressure, pretty much the primary area where the where the air is sinking. So we're going to still see some cooler temperatures in the overnight hours that will be as a result of that. And pressure will continue to remain will continue to remain under high pressure throughout the day on Saturday. High temperatures will be around 64 degrees with abundant sunshine is what I'm expecting for Saturday. Okay, and that's what most models are saying for Saturday. We're starting to see a lot of model agreement now that it's really close. But a high of 64 on Saturday is looking quite likely with this particular setup, okay? So nothing really to be concerned about. Not really too much wind on Saturday. Pretty calm weather going forward. And down in southern parts of Indiana and Ohio, you'll likely see temperatures even warmer than that. So definitely a good chance to get outside before things start to cool off after the weekend. So. I will say Halloween is coming up, okay? So Halloween, everyone's gonna be outside doing trick-or-treating. The weather's not looking super positive for Halloween. We have a couple, We have both models, the ECMWF and GFS agreeing on a low pressure system that's gonna be moving north, northeast from the, from the text, from Texas, from Dixie Alley, those areas. It's gonna be lifting up into the Great Lakes region and gonna bring some scattered rain showers. Not really gonna be heavy rain, but it is gonna bring scattered rain showers as a result of the Gulf moisture lifting up from the south, okay? So we're gonna see scattered rain showers throughout the day on Sunday, probably preferably more along the afternoon. And then Monday morning, we will start to see some rainfall, but it'll begin to dissipate by Monday afternoon into Monday evening. We may have a shot at seeing some drier weather by by Sunday, by Monday evening, Halloween evening. So you may still be able to stay dry in most areas during trick-or-treating, but there will be some scattered sprinkles here and there. So 
Then temperatures begin to cool down back into the um, lower 60s if you're up near southern Michigan, likely a couple degrees warmer if you're down south. But that low begins to move out, and then we start to see model variability coming in, okay? So the current models are showing that it's going to be sunny um, after Monday through pretty much most of the week, partly sunny, and high temperatures are going to range in between the 60s and 70s. So it's going to be rather warm. It's going to be abnormally warm for this time of the year, which honestly is a welcome sight for most people. So it's not really that, that very concerning to anyone unless you're a snow lover. So really that nice weather probably will progress through about um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're going to see some sunshine and then warmer temperatures. Maybe just a light jacket in the morning. Otherwise, you should be pretty good throughout most of the day. All right, so let's get to the point where we're talking in the long range with model variability. This is when we get into the first week of November. Okay, I understand a lot of students will be traveling to Kentucky next week in, in during around that time as well. So we'll also look at Kentucky a little bit as we go through the models. So let's go to November 2nd. That's where you start to see some changes. You really see on the graphic, according to the GFS, isobars really starting to combine closer together. That's indicating likely a change in winds. It looks like we're going to have some southerly winds during the day on during the day on Thursday and Friday as we start to get towards the as we start to see that ridge build in associated with the low pressure system. So we're going to progress that forward a little bit as we get to later on Friday morning. You begin to see some rain. You start to see a front coming in according to the GFS model, showing some rainfall kind of from the upper peninsula of Michigan, branching all the way down pretty much towards the southern central United States. So pretty large front going to be moving through, going to welcome some cooler air on the back side of it. And it even shows a few thunderstorms starting to develop. If I get a sounding for our general area, southern lower Michigan, I do see a little bit of low-level wind shear, but it doesn't really look like an event that will foster a lot of severe weather development. Lots of low-top clouds. There will be a little bit of wind shear with southerly winds at the surface and then westerly winds in the mid-layer. So going to keep an eye on it. It doesn't look like it's going to change too much. And the ECMWF model really doesn't even show that particular setup for this severe weather event. If I go back to the run that indicates November 5th, if I go to that run real quick, you can see it does show a little bit of scattered rain showers, but it does not show anything nearly as strong as what the GFS model is showing. If I get a sounding for it, a lot less low level wind shear, and it doesn't look like any type of event that could foster severe weather. Um, it just looks like a little bit of rain could occur with this particular event. So. There's still some variability in there, but it does look like something could occur Friday night into Saturday on November 5th. Okay, so that's later on. And it does look like, according to the GFS, a line of thunderstorms will continue to develop. And the, the tops of the clouds do seem to increase as we get up closer to that cold front that is showing up. And level of free convection, though, is way up there. So I really don't see anything super exciting with this particular event going through. So November 5th, November 6th, we do see that cooler air mass begin to filter in a little bit and it may settle over the area. Maybe some lake effect snow, especially um, if you're near Lake Huron, there could be a little bit of lake effect snow. Not super heavy, not enough to cause any major accumulation. And then some lake effect snow in the Upper Peninsula on Sunday, November 6th. Okay, so ECMWF model does show a pretty strong storm event that could occur across parts of the um, plains west of the Mississippi River, you see this um, in, according to the ECMWF, November 7th at about 7 p.m., you've got a nice, well-defined line of 
shower and thunderstorms. They do appear to be wind-driven associated with that low-pressure system. There is quite a bit of decent low-level wind shear with that particular setup. Now again, the models really don't depict that it could be a, an event where there's going to be a lot of free convection taking place, but it, a wind-driven event like this could still pack some damaging wind gusts. And we'll just have to take a look at the NAM3K when it does come out because the NAM3K does a really good job of forecasting those types of events. So November 7th, we're watching that potential for that low to cause a more intense weather event across parts of the plains. Okay, So that's pretty much a an overview of the forecast based on what the models are saying. Again, these models are very likely to change. They always do change. Um, pretty much as we get up closer to the event. So I'm going to give a summary from Weather Underground of what the weather could look like over the next week. And, and they're usually pretty accurate in their assessment, so I'm going to do that Saturday. So that's today when this podcast is going to be published. Um, it is sunny, high of 64, low of 41. doesn't look like there's going to be much frost. To Friday night, so that's going to be tonight when this podcast is published. So Friday, October 28th. You're going to see temperatures near freezing. It's likely going to be freezing temperatures. That's going to stop that grass from growing, which I'm sure everyone's pretty pleased about. Sick of mowing. I'm sick of mowing. I know that. So it's good to get that change. Saturday, high of 64, low of 41. Sunday, you see the clouds start to increase associated with that tropical low. It's going to be coming from the south. Cloudy skies, high of 64, low of 49. And then it's Monday around Halloween. So... Halloween, we are going to see some rain showers, especially during the morning, maybe some scattered rain showers during the afternoon. High of 60, low of 45. That cooler temperature is due to the rainfall that is occurring. Tuesday, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're looking at highs in the upper 60s with partly to mostly sunny skies. Okay, so it's looking pretty good there. And then you see gradual warming trend Thursday night with a low of 52. Friday, high of 70, low of 53. And then Saturday, we're watching that cold front that could bring some rain showers with a high of 62, low of 48. And as we continue to progress a little bit forward, Sunday, November 6th, partly cloudy, high of 60, low of 42. And then later on, we're watching that plains event that could bring some damaging wind gusts to that area if the model holds together. Again, that is a long-range model, so we're going to wait to do that assessment. But overall, that's the general forecast for this upcoming week and into next week. And I'm going to turn it over to my students who are now going to give you some information regarding some concepts, events, and news going on in the Great Lakes region. Weather concepts part two, rain and hail production and how they work. Rain comes from the water cycle. The water cycle is the continuous movement of water within the earth and atmosphere. It is a complex system that includes many different processes. Liquid water evaporates into water vapor, condenses to cloud to form clouds, and precipitates back to earth in the form of rain and snow. Raindrops are shaped more like hamburger buns than the original thought of teardrop shapes. As a raindrop falls, it becomes less spherical in shape and becomes more flattened in the bottom like a hamburger bun. This is primarily related to their fall speed. Airflow in the bottom of the water drop is greater than the airflow at the top. At the top, small air circulation disturbances create less air pressure. The surface tension at the top allows the raindrop to remain more spherical while the bottom gets more flattened out. Rain tends to start as snow because clouds often are a mixture of ice crystals and supercooled water drops. And some interesting things that happen because of the fact. The air reaches saturation and some of the resulting droplets will come in contact with freezing nuclei. We will now have a combination of ice crystals and supercooled water droplets. From perspective of the crystals, I'm sorry. 
from, his, uh, from the perspective of the supercooled droplets, the air is in the equi- equilibrium at saturation. But from the perspective of the ice crystals, the air is supersaturated. Therefore, water vapor will, will sublimate on the ice crystals. Since the amount of water vapor in the air has decreased, and from the perspective of the supercooled water droplet, the air is substituted, the supercooled water will evaporate until the air once again reaches saturation. The process then continues. Eventually, the ice crystals will fall. The ice crystals may also grow through assertion of more supercooled liquid or aggregation of other crystals. The type of precipitation that we ultimately see at the surface depends on the temperature of the atmosphere from the base of the cloud, uh, cloud in the ground. There is also a process by which uh, rain grows through warm rain processes as well, but this is more common in clouds that remain completely above the freezing point. This condition is likely to be found in the tropics and some part of the middle latitudes, but is less likely than the Burgesson process. The main growth uh, mechanisms in warm growth process in warm rain processes are collision and coalescence. You have probably noticed an example of this when you collide on a car and then grow larger as they trickle downward. This section takes information from NOAA and Forbes. Now, on to hail. Rain and hail are very closely related to each other because, well, they are each other just in different phases. Hailstones grow by collision with supercooled rain. There are two ways they can grow, wet growth and dry growth. In wet growth, the hailstone nucleus, a tiny piece of ice, is in a region where the air temperature is below freezing but not super cool. Upon colliding with a super cool drop, the water does not immediately freeze around the nucleus. With dry growth, the air temperature is below freezing and the water droplet immediately freezes as it collides with the nucleus. The air bubbles are frozen in place, leaving cloudy ice. That is hail and rain, and we are likely to see rain very soon in Michigan. Welcome back. This is episode three of Mr. Richmond's Weather Podcast. It's Kara Hawkins. Today we're going to be talking about three of the most severe weather happenings in 2022. Um, I just thought it'd kind of be fun if we address some of the winter weather storms that have happened. Kind of gets in the mood for the um, upcoming cold Michigan weather and hopefully a good winter this year. Um, first up, let's take a look at uh, winter storm Izzy. I apologize. My voice is kind of shot right now. So just bear with me. Um, but this storm left more than 100,000 people without power in the southwest um, area of the United States, particularly North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky. Again, this is Storm Izzy. Uh, it brought freezing temperatures, high winds, snow, ice. And North Carolina saw up to like 10 inches of snow, maybe even more. Um, so that was one of the... Great winter storms, I guess. Next up, number two, is the deadly snowstorm called Malik. In northern Europe, public transportation was completely forced to stop. Major bridges had to shut down. Markets were flooded, and several people were killed. The storm was also referred to as Nadia. It brought on hurricane-level winds and floods, and about 130,000 homes in England had lost power. So it was a pretty bad storm. Again, last but not least, this one happened about last uh, last February. Texas was hit with one of the most significant icing events. The northeast uh, was pounded with lots of snow, sleet, and ice. And then it kind of moved into Mexico to New England, this kind of like flow of the storm. And the freezing cold front buried neighborhoods with more than a foot of snow in New York and New England. 
So, again, those are just all past events that have happened. We can be sure that this winter is going to bring some epic snowstorms to Michigan. At least I'm hoping so. We can keep following our uh, our podcast for more local weather reports and just forecasts for um, your area that you're in. Um, but, yeah, my fellow classmates are going to share those things with you. And, again, Kara Hawkins, thanks for listening in. Floods within the U.S. Is flooding within the U.S. a problem? While floods are not the most deadly or costly form of weather within the U.S., we still see major floods from time to time. When we do see one of these, there are always expensive rebuilding costs that follow, and almost always casualties. Let's look at some of the worst floods to hit the U.S. First, we have the Big Thompson Canyon flood, which took place in Big Thompson Canyon, Colorado, in 1976. This flood caused millions of dollars in damages and killed 144 people. A very large flood would be the Jamestown flood. This flood happened in 1889 and was caused when the South Fork Dam failed. In today's dollar, this flood caused almost a half billion dollars in damages and killed over 2,200 people. The St. Francis Dam failure is a flood that occurred in California on March 12, 1928. This flood killed 431 people and today still remains the second worst disaster to hit California. The Hurricane Agnes flood that hit the eastern side of America brought major rains and subsequently flooding. This flooding took 128 people's lives and cost almost $20 billion in damages. The Great Daytona Flood of 1913 occurred after several days of rainfall, leaving up to 20 feet of water in some areas of downtown Daytona. The Los Angeles Flood in 1938 affected Los Angeles, as well as Orange County. This flood caused 115 deaths and $1.5 billion in damages. The Pittsburgh Flood is one of the worst floods we have seen to date within America. This flood affected Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with a peak of waters at 46 feet. This killed over 200 people, destroyed 100,000 buildings, and caused, a f- and caused almost $5 billion in damages. After Hurricane Sandy hit, she brought bad rainfall to New York, which in turn brought flooding. This flooding caused 233 people to lose their lives within New York and New Jersey, and also caused $88 billion in damages. The Great Flood of 1913 was a catastrophic flood. This flood affected many parts of America, brought almost 500 deaths, and cost $83 billion in damages. The Ohio River flood, which hit in 1937 during the Great Depression, caused widespread damages. With America's resources already worn out, this left over a million people homeless, killed almost 400 people, and caused just under $10 billion in damages. These are some of the worst floods to reach the U.S. Welcome to my segment on weather news. Today we are going to be talking about five confirmed tornadoes in a severe weather outbreak along the Mississippi and Alabama Gulf Coast. Uh, The NWS said on Sunday that three tornadoes touched down in Jackson County, Mississippi, each with top winds estimated between 100 miles per hour and 110 miles per hour. Uh, And then in Alabama, two weak tornadoes with winds of 72 mile per hour or west winds were confirmed. Uh, the 
Mississippi Twister had a path of 1.2 miles, damaging trees, a home, and some outbuildings. And then the next one was a 2.8 mile tornado, which damaged trees before crossing a marsh and interstate. And then a one mile tornado damaged light poles at a park. Although tornadoes are rare in most of the United States in late fall and winter, they are more common along the Gulf Coast in these seasons, when cold fronts collide with warm Gulf of Mexico air. Hello everybody, welcome back to the events happening in the Great Lakes region. Um, I'm going to talk about the Soul Blast. 2022 that's happening up in Battle Creek. Uh, it's only part. It's only taking place in um, Battle Creek's uh, Friends Church, and um, it's gonna it's gonna be an awesome event. It's it's two me two days. Uh, it's gonna be happening on uh, uh, November 11th, I believe, on uh, November 11th, and it's be starting from like four to seven or four to seven. And um, there's gonna be a concert too, and if the the band the band that's gonna be there is I am they, and if you didn't know about that, but um, that this is gonna be their last tour as a group, which is kind of sad because they've been an awesome group for many years, but it's gonna be their last year, and um, it's, it's gonna be an awesome thing. Um, we're gonna have multiple speakers. Um. Uh, speakers such as uh, Leo Wilson and Jake and Courtney Seacrease. I, I don't really know who they are, but I've heard they, that they are very good speakers. And But this main thing is more to, you know, draw people, interview people to God, you know, and stuff like that. This is more of a youth retreat. And um, it's only 40, 45 bucks for the whole thing, which is a very good deal. Cause it, covers all, it covers a bunch of meals. Uh, and housing and um, t-shirts and you know it's gonna be awesome, and um, and also also Jonathan Trailer is gonna be there too. Uh, I've heard I've I've heard of him, but I haven't really you know I listened to him a whole lot. But I have I've heard that he's really good. But again, this is happening November um eleventh, I believe, to the se- to the twelfth, and it's happening at Bell Creek's Friends Church, and um. Uh, it's gonna be an it's gonna be an awesome thing to be part of, and I I will probably be going too. And um, this is gonna be awesome. But if you can be out there, support it. You know, get some friends, some other people to join. It'd be an awesome time for awesome time to go. And again, this is a youth retreat. This is not for um if you are a parent guardian who wants to go. You you know, you know I have to do all the registration things, but um. It'd be, it'd be awesome to see people out there. And, uh, well, see you later. Hello, everyone. This is Ben Richmond here, thanking you for listening to another episode of the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. If you would like to leave feedback on this podcast, you are more than welcome to do so by visiting our website at captainchemistry.wixsite.com slash greatlakesweather. The website is linked in the description of the podcast below, and there's a podcast tab that will enable you to see all of our episodes and also to leave feedback on the podcast itself. 
The Great Lakes Weather website also has access to all of our social media platforms and all information regarding the origins of Great Lakes weather and the accomplishments over the past few years. So stay tuned for later episodes of the Great Lakes Weather Podcast by subscribing and make sure to check out our YouTube channel where all of the storm chasing content and forecast discussion content exists. All right, we will see you next time on the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.